Welcome to Highway Diary. I'm your host, Eric Collarbach. With me, Daniel Poppy Gonzalez. We're outside Indian Roller. This is Highway Diary, episode 327. 327? <laughs> oh my god! I might fart, just so you know. Uh, you're farting, you're texting your wife. Unbelievable. Hey, don't call me mommy, I'm, I'm doing the podcast. Um, no, no jodas, cabrón. Please, <laughs> please. I, I want to stay married, okay? That was the worst accent of all. <laughs> um, can I say this? About, I don't know how to breach the subject, uh, Daniel, but when I first met you a year ago, you were fatter. I was. You were fatter. I was. A I lot met fatter. you at, at Romo Room, and you're like, we're like, hey, let's do a podcast together sometime because you had your podcast. I was like, oh yeah, let's do that. And and, but then, October 28, twenty twenty one, you wrote this on Facebook. Today marks four years of hard work and consistency, 225 pounds down, and I motherfucker ain't done. So, so I'm so close and I can feel myself not being considered obese. That's all for now, going back to the lab. What's the lab? The gym. <laughs> uh, it's really, it's, it's the, how can I put this? It's, the lab to me isn't just the gym. It isn't just writing. It's just the consistent self-improvement of who you are, right? So for me, it was simple. I was 505 pounds. I didn't want to be there anymore. So I lost the weight. It's taken four years, obviously, to do. Um, but during that process, you know, you start getting little wins, right? 20 pounds, turns into 40, 40 pounds, turns into 60, 100, 200. But on top of that, you also learn to win in other areas of your life. You learn to win in comedy. You learn to win, in my case, jujitsu, in boxing, in my marriage, and at work, and leadership. I finished my degree. So going back to the lab just means like, hey, I came out to celebrate this little milestone. Cool. None of y'all give a fuck. All right, back to the fucking lab. So 225 pounds. Yes. I'm not stopping. Um, well, you look like a new man. I mean, since a year ago, it's like I've been watching this going, man, every time I see you, you're looking better. Yeah. Um, so you started jujitsu class, and uh, through the vehicle of uh, martial arts, you're losing weight. What was your rock bottom? You say five, 505 pounds, but what was it? So um, soon after I married my wife, I lost somebody very, very close to me, um, my cousin. Um, he died in his sleep, and he was a fat man. There's no other way to put it. It was just like he was a big dude. Me and him kind of, you know, relied, like leaned on each other a lot emotionally and all that. And uh, I remember getting the call from his sister, my cousin, Mayra, and basically telling us, like, hey, uh, Luisito, his name, rest in peace, uh, is dead. And, you know, he was a bariatric patient and he struggled with weight as well. And getting that call was, I've had my grandparents die. My, um, I've had close friends to me die, but that one felt like my mortality could have happened any day. Right. Like you're on the same path as him, diet-wise, everything. I'm on the everything. same path. Yeah, yeah. And um, from that moment on, I looked at my wife, and I mean, I was depressed for a while. It got worse. 
Um, but that was the day that I could say I made up my mind. I did not want to be this way anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, what made you choose jujitsu? There's a lot of different things. There's... Um, jujitsu has been a passion of mine for over a decade. Oh, okay. So something uh, you got back into. Yes. Uh, I've been, I, first time I ever walked into a mixed martial arts gym actually was uh, summer of 2008 after high school. And I wanted to do MMA because at the time it was like Chuck Liddell, you know, Hanato Sabra, a bunch of these like old school MMA fighters, Anderson Silva. Um, they were just big. They were big. And they were kind of like, I've always idolized the fight game. You know, I, I'm, I'm Puerto Rican. I've watched Tito Trinidad since I was a kid. Uh, Julio Cesar Chavez, Roberto Duran. Name them. They're big in my home. Like just the, the, the martial arts lifestyle and the, and the boxing combat sports is big in my home growing up. And I'm like, you know what? Boxing isn't isn't big now, but MMA is. I think I should learn this crap because I don't just want to be... A, I don't want to talk game. I want to be about it. That's always how I've always been. And I remember Paul Rodriguez, uh, black belt under Ricardo Laborio, old school jiu-jitsu world champion. Um, he told me, he's like, hey, you want to you, you get good at MMA? Get good at jiu-jitsu. That was the first thing he told me. I threw on the gi and I just fell in love with the art. It's one of the most beautiful things... I think the human body is able to do um, is is grapple. I mean, it's there's a form of grappling in every country since the beginning of time, and I think that jujitsu and modern day grappling is probably the most efficient form of it that we've discovered mm-hmm. so far. So yeah, and everyone has their own uh, sy- systems, and everyone like. People like Eddie Bravo are more rubber guard oriented than there's yeah, so leg lock specialists, yeah, arm bar specialists. It's all jujitsu to me, man. Um, I don't knock. Like I love Eddie Bravo's style. Actually, I model a lot of my style in the gi after his uh, half guard rubber guard system. But even then, I've made it my own. You know, I'm not I'm not as flexible as Eddie, but what he teaches conceptually still applies to the art as a whole. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I met him just through comedy. I, I, I only I only know about Rubber Guy and stuff like that from hearing BJ Penn talk about it and then watching him fight, and he would always credit uh, Eddie for some of that stuff. Um, all right, this is, a, this is a tough question. So um, Tough. <clears throat> they say people eat their feelings. Was there any kind of, like, childhood stuff, like trauma or anything that, like, kind of triggered that? Was it culturally in your... Like, everyone in your family oh just eats a God. lot? Um... You know, I talked a lot about this with my therapist one time. Okay, good. <laughs> but I can't I can't say it was trauma-based. I would have to say it was more um, coping. Coping mechanism? Because... Uh, with, like, anxiety? Anxiety, separation. You know, my father was in the military, was always gone, you know, traveling. I remember getting calls from him when he was, like, in Germany, Brussels, Japan for Christmas one year. You know, and he was never home, and the only time me and him would ever bond was over donuts, uh, right? <laughs> so it was like, so it always felt like I would always connect with my father if I was eating something sweet, you know, even though he wasn't around. So daddy issues, a hundred percent. Right. You know what I'm saying? Well, not up my butt, but still daddy <laughs> issues in some sort of way. Um, no, yeah, like hey, uh, this donut tastes a lot like daddy's home today, you know, type exactly. of shit. Like exactly. So. Um, that's and then top of that culturally right like you got the latino thing going where 
if you don't eat, you're skinny, but if you eat too much, you're fat. So there's no happy. There's no happy. happy. There's no happy medium. There's just, <laughs> there's just. Oh look, mijo, you ate all your food. Let me give you more. Ay, mijo, you're gaining weight. You're gaining weight. Right, right. So it was like it's like, bitch, you keep feeding me. Like, right, like right. stop. And then you know you know. And then the whole culture of, you know, the famine thinking where you got to finish your plate no matter how much they give you. Sure, sure. So and then you don't want to disappoint grandma. She made this for you. She's no, my grandma was a great cook. Don't yeah, yeah. disrespect my grandma. I'm not. I'm saying don't disrespect her. Finish your plate. Choke you, dog. Finish your plate. <laughs> anyway. Um. All right. You know, I don't know about you. I smoke a little weed. I can go down munchy cities. I was I was saying this when the pandemic first started. There were two foods that almost took me out. Like I could have had a heart attack. First of all, I went right to Restaurant Depot, where they only like serve like boxes of like eighty pounds of frozen food. Okay. I was like, oh, all the restaurants can't buy the chicken wings anymore because all the restaurants are closed. Okay. So let me buy seventy five pounds of chicken wings until I have commercial grade hemorrhoids. And then, uh, you know what I mean? So I started just getting, I just started only eating a diet of chicken wings. Mm -hmm. Then I got really into butter pop, uh, popcorn that I would make with bacon fat. Oh. And then I'm like, dude, I would make canola oil. You're giving me, I'm going to start breathing like if I was 500 pounds again. What's wrong with you? Start no. with canola oil, salt. <sighs> and then at the, when they start to almost pop, bacon fat. It, and then it would go through all the popcorn, like evenly. Oh my God. And I was just... Stress eating bacon popcorn. Um, so and, yeah, okay, okay. I've ne okay. I have recently discovered the fascination with like I've always loved savory food as far as like actual meals, mm -hmm. but a lot of my, I have a sweet tooth like a motherfucker. Mm -hmm. Like I have a sweet tooth. During the pandemic, I would put down boxes of Oreos. <laughs> Oh yeah, <laughs> like like just straight up Oreos. Oreos. Here's the worst part: torture, bro. Torture, no milk. Oh, are you lactose intolerant? Or no, you just... no, no. I just it's like I I I would crunch on it and then swig it down with the milk instead of the dip dip. You know what I'm oh, saying? Oh, I see. So it's like it's like I'm like I, I was like, what the fuck is wrong with me, bro? Like too many Oreos. I had to like stop buying Oreos. I can't go buy it down the Oreo aisle at all. Yeah, you can't even look at it. I can't. Like, like I yeah, can't. No, I, can't I, hear you. I can't do it. I can't do it. That and vodka was just <laughs> Yeah, I feel like everyone was drinking more. It's like what the fuck is going on here, you know? Something's uh, not right about this. Um is comedy a source of stress or a source of relief? Both. Both. I, I'll be honest with you. Here's what I think most comedians would say, and this is what holds true in my heart with comedy. I love performing comedy. I love writing comedy. I love the process of comedy. I hate the business of comedy. Mm -hmm. I think I'm, I'm almost three years in to my comedy career, and I'll tell you this. Um... The business of comedy can stress people out because you're your own boss. You know, you're you're fighting for your opportunities. You're fighting for your cut, and a lot of times, you know, we forget to have fun in this art. We forget that we're supposed to be silly. We're supposed to to to, to talk about the shit nobody wants to talk about, and say the most radical shit, and has to be funny. And we forget that everybody, you know, especially in Austin. Austin's become this mecca of comedy in, you know, the last year and a half or so. And it's like everybody forgot to be funny. Everybody's so concerned about getting on Kill Tony or getting on the next big show that they just forgot to be funny. 
Yeah. And I don't think that they're not funny. I really do. I think there's a lot of talented comics in Austin. But I think a lot of them forgot what got them started. Do you get stressed from performing, though? No. Like, if, if there's no, a big show coming up? Are no, you? No? no, no, no. Honestly, man, I enjoy performing. It's just the backstage shit that stresses it's, it's you out. It's the bullshit. Like, so, um, I came up in the church. Like, I, I grew up in a Pentecostal church. I, I did, I was, public speaking has always come really naturally to me. Um... Do I get nervous of like if I'm running a new bit? Of course, who doesn't, right? Like it's it's a part of yourself, right? Right, right. But the actual performing, dude, I love performing. It's like I have fun in the process of performing. It's it's my way of connecting with people. It's like even if it's just me, you want to six of the friends, trust me, I'm putting on a show because I want to see y'all smile. Yeah, yeah. That's what I like. It's not about it's not about the stage anywhere can be the stage i do it at the gym i do it my my open mic is at jujitsu with my friends where i know i can say the most wild shit and if it's truly funny they're gonna laugh Mm -hmm. so it's like and then if it's funnier you you've been on stage and you're killing and you go off script it's like oh this is funny i'm gonna take it here and i'm gonna take it there and take it there and then sort of you find the line you're like oh let me dial it back oh i lost it fuck (laughs) you know but the entire process is amazing even just public speaking, even if it's about something that you're passionate about, right? Like, I I grew up in the church, like I said, and I I I am a Christian. I I don't hide that from anybody. And if you want to talk Jesus, I'll talk Jesus with you all day, and I'll tell you, I'll pull out scripture and where I think life is, how it's supposed to be, and the interpretations of it. And I can geek out on that, and I'll talk passionately about that. But at the same time, I can do the same thing with jujitsu. And even more with comedy, because comedy is just so universal to me. I, I mean, I always say this: comedy is my religion. I feel like you, you can you can prove every f- truth in the world with comedy. I, I always say this, and, and before uh, you ask the next question, that if God wasn't funny, why did He make Alabama? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that place is pretty uh, pretty backwards. I met I met this kid from <laughs> Alabama in, in a no college. no offense Alabama. Just saying. I met this kid and he was like, oh, World War II, who won? And I was like, you speaking German right now? <laughs> love that Alabama education system. Well, um, what's what's the best comedy you ever, what's the best comedy show you've ever had where you felt like, oh, this is why I'm doing this. Like, it's stressful, the backstage stuff is bullshit sometimes, but this is why I do this. It was, it was like the first or second show I did at Vulcan, and it was when Jeremy Piven dropped it. Uh-huh. Right? And I got the opportunity to bring him up. Uh-huh. I was like, you know, Jeremy, I've been a fan of Jeremy Piven's acting. I wasn't, I don't really know about his stand-up career. First time I ever saw him do stand-up. I thought he did phenomenal. But. Like Entourage and all that Entourage, stuff. Entourage, the movies, the entire thing, right? Like, I'm a fan of his. I thought he was great. Then I'm like, oh, he's a pretty decent stand-up, too. Uh-huh. But at the same time, I was thinking... You know, like, I had a good set. Uh, I got off stage, remember Charles Adams Jr. telling me one of my bits made him laugh that he damn near peed himself. And then I go outside to smoke a cigarette. And uh, Piven comes out, and he compliments me on my on my set. Oh, that's great. And I was like, wow. Like, you are, one, a classically trained actor. Right, right. Two, you are a performer through and through in any part of entertainment and 
stand-up snobs will say he's not a real stand-up, but fuck you, he's an entertainer. Like, right, right. Right? Like, it'll be stand-up, the stage, like, the dude will put on a show regardless if it's rehearsed or not. And I'm like, he thought it was funny, he thought it was good. It was like, there's something here. And it just goes down as, like, one of the first times I remember killing in front of a crowd of more than 100 people. And I was like... Okay, I mean, I'm heading down this right. I'm it's one of those things. Just like, like a little acknowledgement. You pop up, you go. I'm on the right path. Okay, now yeah, keep fucking yeah, going. You yeah, know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, like, and it was great. And it, like, kind of one of the many reasons I. Not the reason I started stand up, but it's like, oh, this is the benefit of doing stand up. Oh hell yeah! No, I mean, uh, uh, respect from your peers. I mean, that like emotionally can support you for like a year. Just like one hundred percent. Like Tiffany Haddish one time would just looked at me. She goes, "Good shit," and walked away. I was like. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite thing is like I love Tiffany. Hatch, my favorite by thing the way. is no, so nice. No, she's she's fucking. I've heard nothing but good things about her. I don't know her. Personally. I met her many times in New Orleans. She's fucking great. I'll tell you this. Uh, Ida Ida Rodriguez saw me do an open mic set like when I first started, and she looked at me and she was like, "Oye, Latino, keep going." And I was like, "Oh my god!" Oh, nice. Oh my god! She said I could go do good shit. <laughs> <laughs> so, so then my next question has to be: What's the worst show you've ever had? Where oh, it's been Lord, oh, daggers in your soul. Uh, Reed Marshall Becker uh, put on a show. <laughs> He's coming here tonight. Yeah, apparently, right? Reed Marshall Becker put me on one of his shows, and it was right after the whole Tony Hinchcliffe kind of debacle in Austin. Oh, a pang dang and all that. Yeah, fuck that guy. Anyway, I did a joke about that whole situation. That joke landed, but the rest of my set was deadlier than Chernobyl. Yeah. It was just... Didn't go well. No. It was... Like, it was one of those bombs where you go home and you contemplate suicide. Yeah. Not just, like... I'm not talking about real suicide. I'm talking about the type of suicide where you pull out your revolver, you have the Percocet, and you're like, <laughs> nah, is this worth living? And my yeah. wife was like, baby, just let me suck your dick. You'll feel better. And oh, I'm like, no, nice. no, 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 no. I don't deserve to get my dick sucked right now. Right, right. I need... To just do better. Yeah. And yeah, man. No, I bombed a roast battle at the comic store one time, and I was like, just like sobbing in my car, and some guy in a Camaro with a thin mustache like looked at me all weird. Um, so how is uh, you alluded to this? How is jujitsu help comedy? Is it just the struggle, like struggling on something really hard? It's just say, the days I train jujitsu, then do comedy. Comedy is the easiest part of my day. Mm-hmm. Like, what is? I'm yeah, in Texas, yeah. I might get shot. But right. um, there's nothing that can happen on that stage that I didn't go through mentally already. Right, right. Like, that's how simple it is, right? Like, I got a 250-pound man trying to kill me. I, I got, I got, I got a fucking... I got a fucking 150-pound fucking chick who is as strong as an ox and it moves like a spider monkey fucking trying to decapitate me <laughs> with her foot. Like, 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 I'm in legit danger of, like, bodily harm. All of a sudden, I'm like, I'm holding a microphone, and the dude in the fucking hat just wants to look at me funny. I'm like, eh, what are, what are you going to do? Like, nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, most people don't know how to do anything. And I'm just, it's like the confidence it gives me to go on stage and just be a, the truest version of myself. Like, it might not, the jokes might not be the greatest, and that might not be the best written, but... You're gonna enjoy the show because I'm a, I'm here to perform. I'm I like to perform. Mm -hmm. So yeah. So um, 
yeah. I, I, I get the same thing from uh, going to boxing. Like, when I go to boxing and I get all the energy out, then I just feel like my blood starts pumping. I just have uh, my brain starts working better. Um, are, you a, are you a meal prep guy? How's your Tupperware game? Okay, Tupperware game. Uh, glass Tupperware. Cause I Pyrex? Pyrex, of course. Come on. Or an, an off-brand Aldi Pyrex, of course, because <laughs> I'm cheap as fuck. Anyway, um... You go that right is, from the fridge to the oven? No. So here's how it goes. Um, when I am consistent with meal preps, it's about twice a week. So I meal prep for about two to three days ahead of time because I hate eating the same thing for six days in a row. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So I cook a big meal or my wife cooks a big meal. We split it for three to four days and it kind of works out, you know, and we save money on food. We save money on all this. And it's pretty good. Like I would consider my my meal prep game, my Tupperware game, at about a a solid C plus. Oh wow, a good. solid C plus. How about your produce? You Pro keep your produce okay? Or yeah, no, go my, bad no, no, no. So our produce gets used. That's good. It gets used. It gets used because <laughs> let's be honest, these prices are too ridiculous not to use your shit. Dude, I think that is a key <laughs> life skill right now. And, like, you know, I, I fucking chop up my iceberg. I clean it. I make sure it dries. Then I wrap it up in fucking dishcloths. Like, I'm a Nazi when it comes to Bro, it. Bro, you got to. Like, and even so, we did groceries this past weekend. Uh -huh. And uh, we got a bunch of meat from the Spanish market. And right away, we uh -huh. busted out the freezer bags. Thieved it. The, Hell yeah. You know, separated out the portions. Took all the, all the, like, my wife made salsa that night. Like, we use every little bit that we can. And it's weird skill that I think we're rediscovering as a society. Yeah. Because of the times that we're going through. I think COVID times brought back a lot of this, like, don't just buy, buy enough that we're going to use. But also, like, make it last a little longer. Yeah. You know, um, one of, a good friend of mine, he's also a comedian out of Dallas. He started, he learned how to can during the pandemic because he was like dude it's just you can't go out anymore you can't do shit now he has started a business out of canning fresh fruit and stuff that he grows in his backyard it's fucking phenomenal oh that's awesome yeah. no i mean those are the only people that are going to survive this shit if the, they fucking you know if there's no more stakes in the fucking heb people are going to lose their you fucking puerto rican i'm like a cockroach so i'll survive <laughs> um I, I start making like bone broth if i get a t-bone steak or chicken wings for example i, oh, yeah. I have a freezer bag of all the bones i'll make bone broth in my slow too? cooker I'm so gutted though. I always make iced tea in my slow cooker. Hibiscus tea with honey, lemon, in my slow cooker. I love it. Today, something awful happened. I poured it into my Pyrex pitcher, and then I, I poured cold water to get the extra uh, honey off the in the you know off the back of it, and it exploded. You, you rookie. And I was like, I know I should have waited for the tea no, to no, no, go no. to you, room you, temperature. You grab a paper towel, put it with warm water, and wipe it off. Yeah, it wipe it, it off. It just went like pop. a gentleman. And then it just slowly started leaking, like it got shot. He's like, Why'd you Why'd you do this to me? Ah! All my hibiscus tea <laughs> leaked out of him, and I was like, No, no. Fredo. <laughs>
Or, or yes, Fredo, die, <laughs> die, Fredo. Well, I made, I took insurance out on him, so I met a bundle. It was very good for me. Um, so day one of jujitsu, you walk in. Uh-huh. How was that? Like, you know, it was, day one. It was. You're 505 pounds. You're 515 pounds. No, your cousin died. No, no. Day one. Okay, so well, I want to say okay. day one after for the weight loss. Okay, so I was 440 ish. Um. Lost some, lost a little bit of weight. I was like, from I diet before you started exercising. Exactly. Right? Okay. And I'm like, okay, we're gonna fucking do this. I got this. I walked into this gym. Shout out to Red Nova Jiu Jitsu up up in Dallas. And I'm like, I got this. And I didn't have it. I didn't have it. I got tapped out 38 times. 38 times. And you know, open most, rolling. <laughs> most of those were because I was gassed out. Yeah. It sucked so bad. <laughs> like, like there was nothing I could do. Like, no matter how hard I fought, it was just like I couldn't move. I didn't have what it takes. And then, you know, I'm stubborn. Like, I think to do anything worthwhile in life, you have to be stubborn in a good way. Not, yeah. not, 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 not open-minded, but you have to be stubborn to stick with what you want to do in life. And you learn to... Just keep going. Show up one day at a time. Slowly drill, write, whatever. But in jujitsu, was drill, drill, yeah, drill, yeah, yeah. drill. <laughs> and then drill some more. So then you just kept going back. Like you were yeah, sore like, as fuck. Yeah, and... Dude, I was sore. I was tired. I couldn't breathe. I came back. Uh, shout out to Juan Santiago. Um, he, he is my sponsor as far as jujitsu gear. And he found, he makes uh, jujitsu geese for fat men. And I'm not talking about like your 250 pound guy. I'm talking about fat, fat men. You yeah, know, yeah, like yeah. like extended sizes fat men. Right, like, right. like like Big and tall. More than big and tall. More like <laughs> rotund and hefty. You know what right, I'm saying? Right, right, And he sent me a gi. Like I bought a gi. He sent me this gi. It fit fucking perfect. And it gave me that little boost of like okay now no, I put not, this on I get to fucking work I get to fucking work and I I finally retired that gi after almost three and a half years of using it oh wow Did yeah you... it is so big on me yeah it wraps around me like four times an hour it's hilarious <laughs> that's awesome oh yeah day one of I started Muay Thai when I was 27 and uh yeah, that they, is a rough sport and fucking they did the first class they did three rounds of jump rope but I was stubborn. I did all three rounds. And then they were like, okay, now we're going to hold pass for people. And I was like passing out. And they were like, you can't hold pass. I was like, oh, yeah, I can't. Like, I, I couldn't move after the three, three, three minute rounds of jump rope. And they were like, are you sure? Okay, just watch Hardly here. Hardly wants to call you a pussy, but I know how hard that is. But it's like, I just, I went from no exercise for a while to like three rounds of nine minutes of jump rope. And I was, I was like, literally could not keep my eyes open. I was like, you were drenched in sweat. But yeah, and then you, later every time on, you breathe, you just see the sweat spit out of your mouth. You're like, I'm not. I didn't even drink water. What happened? <laughs> and then fucking, you know, six months later, I'm putting tires over my head. I'm getting, you know what I mean. People are lining up and kicking, doing kick drills. I fucking, uh, I'm still doing that shit at Ricky Lords. Anyway, you have a wife, Marissa. You got kids. No cats. Oh, you don't have kids. No kids. Oh, those are your cousins and nieces and nephews. Those are my nieces and nephews. Oh, okay. Um, how do you balance dreams with keeping your wife happy? I am, I call, I am the most blessed comic in Austin. 
not because I'm famous. It's because of the person that I chose to be my partner in life. Um, she sees my dreams and she accepts them. And on top of that, she pushes me to do better than what I've done before. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not an easy balance. I'll tell you this. Like There are days where I want to go out and do stuff. But she's also the reality check of like, hey, I want you to chase those dreams. But there's also this little dream of ours that we have to cultivate. And that dream isn't necessarily, you know, to get a house or anything, whatever. Well, it is, but it's to keep the relationship, which is our covenant to each other, right? Like I said earlier, I am a Christian. I am, I do believe in a traditional marriage and I do believe that there's a place for men and women in a relationship and my wife and I keep I keep each other accountable in that in that area right where sometimes I veer off she pulls me back and other times she veers off and she pulls me back and it's just this partnership that's taken over, over seven years to really cultivate she's seen me at my worst I've seen her at worst and she's starting to see me now what I consider my best is yet to come but she sees me now at my best and she's like hey I like where this is going, but let's just continue to build upon this. It's every day. It's a brick to lay down or a brick to take apart or something. It's it's a relationship as work. And man, I'm not I'm not a perfect husband. I'm not saying that. Um, but I do say that it takes a lot of work and it takes a lot of transparency. I've never lied to my wife. Mm-hmm. Never lied to my wife. She knows all the dirty shit that happens in the fucking comedy industry. She knows all the weird shit and encounters that have happened to me with my short time in comedy. And I think it's not that she approves of it. I think that she trusts me enough to know that I will overcome them. Right, right. Yeah, I was talking with uh, Ty. I was talking with Rochelleen. There's a lot of drugs around, you know. There's a lot of, like, bullshit. Um, So I try not to get involved with any of that stuff and try to just, like, this is about jokes and writing. It's literally, like, English class. It's it's like drama class. It's not like, uh... It's, yeah, like... like You gotta read the play. You gotta do your homework. You gotta write jokes. To me, comedy is like my Spanish class. Straight up. Like, it was just kicking it with cool people and talking about shit you like to talk about. That's it, right? Like, that's how... I... It's all it is, like... I'll tell you this. This is a good example of how I've told my wife this before. And um, this was a tough part of our relationship. And it it took some working through. After a show one time, um, funny enough, at the Vulcan, um, I had a good set. It wasn't the greatest set. It was a good set. And I was smoking a cigarette upstairs, right? Yeah, yeah. And I was talking to, like, a group of people. And sure. I get pulled away from from the group by this lady. She was like, hey, let me talk to you real quick. I'm like, yeah, whatever. And she tells me, she was like, hey, I'm really into you. I need you to call your wife and get permission because me and you are going to fuck regardless. And to me, I am weak when it comes to women. I've never cheated on my wife, but I am weak. Right, I right. am weak. Like, before I met my wife, I was a hoe. Like, I am the first one to admit I am a fucking hoe. I fucked four or five women at a time if I could. Like, legit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And... Yeah, that was your slut mode. I, and it was like... That, in that moment, I had to say, it's like... No. Like, 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 like I... It, 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 it was so brazen from her. It took me back because I've never... 
Yeah, yeah. Never been like that with a woman before. Right, right. Outside of my marriage. And she, like, wow. Okay. Like, to this day, I think about it. And it's just, it takes me back to the moment of, like, I can't believe this happened. And I told my wife. Didn't tell my wife that night. Because I didn't know how to tell her. I right, didn't right. want to tell her. I didn't know how to explain to her. It's like, this just happened. I don't want to lie to you. But if this happens again, I need you to understand that I'm not here to... I'm not out here to fuck. I'm out here to right, right. build a career. And, you know... She and also, guys, like, not a lot of girls go around like, I want to suck your dick so bad right now. Like, that doesn't happen. It, I'm sure girls never. get it all the time. Girls get guys, creepy guys coming up to them. Eh, let me look your, lick your tits. It doesn't happen to guys. So when it happens, it's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I, you know, I sat down and I looked at my wife and we talked about it. And she asked me, she was like, did you lead her on? I'm like, babe, I promise. I didn't say, I didn't even touch the chick. Like, like, I don't touch most women in this thing. Like, yeah, they, yeah. the most they get out of me is a high five and a, and a Christian side hug. Yeah, yeah. You know, so. Right, right. Hey, good show. Bop, bop. Hey, good show. Yeah. And that was one of those where you had to just sit there and be like, okay. We'll see where we're going, you know. <laughs> and she trusts me, but it's also I have to trust her too. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it's a it's a it's a, it's a fucked up game of Russian roulette. If you cheat on me, I'll cheat on you. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. No, more like if you cheat on me, I shoot you. <laughs> I shoot you. I can't. Yeah, you can shoot your wife in Texas. That's a that's what a great law. Um, Daniel Poppy Gonzalez, how can people find you on the social networks? Well, uh, on Facebook is Daniel Poppy Gonzalez. Um, on Instagram is Poppy underscore the comic. On Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, the whole nine. Um, I have a business card now. Apparently, that's helping getting butts. So. Oh, yeah. I saw you have a from Vistaprint. Um, <laughs> we have a sponsor this for this podcast, ACBD Remedy. Go to acbdremedy.com. Use promo code ERIC, that's E-R-I-C, for 20% off. I always use pain and inflammation, and I have some at nighty time for sleepies. Um, that's how I use ACBD Remedy. You can go to out Klaus Schwab Jr. He has an Instagram I don't really like the message he puts out there, but um, he does sponsor the podcast sometimes. Um, I really don't like the guy. My my mom literally sent me an email that says uh, she doesn't like Klaus Schwab Jr., and I agree with her. Um, at Klaus Schwab Jr. on Instagram. He sponsored the program. This has been Highway Diary, episode 327 with Daniel Papi Gonzalez. The most organized podcast I've ever been on. <laughs> He's Puerto Rican, everybody. Ah! <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>